Finding and keeping friendships as an adult is not as easy as it used to be when we were kids, right? (laughs) But we heal when we have people. We grow when we have people. We thrive when we have people. And did you know that loneliness has the same effect on mortality as smoking 15 cigarettes a day? It is a real thing. So on today's episode, our special and amazing guest, Rebecca Lyons, discusses the causes and effects that loneliness has on us as individuals and the power that friendship has on our emotional development and stability. She discusses the importance of being vulnerable with one another and how to open up when you aren't used to doing so, and the importance of being a friend who reciprocates feelings, conversation, and intentionality. So if you are wanting to know how to make new friends, if you're wanting to know how to keep your friends or how to be a better friend, this is an amazing conversation for you. She discusses depression and the effects that the social media world is having on our mental health and so much more. And before we dive in, if you wouldn't mind taking one quick second to scroll down from iTunes and give a star rating and review for this episode. It would mean so much for the Living Easy Podcast. We will continue getting amazing guests like Rebecca to share wisdom and gospel truth with our listeners. Thank you so much. Let's jump in. Hey friends, we were never promised that life would be easy. Sometimes it is hard and super crazy, but when we do life together, we find that it becomes a lot easier and much more fun. I believe in joyful life, in happy parenting, healthy marriages, long-lasting friendships, and making perfect memories in imperfect homes. I love to dig deep and talk about the really raw things that people are not always comfortable discussing, and I'm also passionate about sharing practical tips that have helped me to help you navigate through life less stressfully and more purposefully. We will laugh together and struggle together. You will hear honest insights on strengthening your faith and your marriage, parenthood, how-tos, and so much more so that you can live life and live it with joy. I am Lindsay Maestas. Welcome to the Living Easy Podcast. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Living Easy Podcast. This is Lindsay, and today I am here with Rebecca Lyons. Hey, how are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. I'm glad to be here. I've really loved witnessing all of your successes in the past few months. You have had such a cool past year with your podcast, the Rhythms for Life podcast. Your Rhythms of Renewal book came out. And Target, it's all over Target. Every time I go to Target, I see it, which is so exciting. And you're in Nashville, right? I am. Yes. Okay. Where are you? I am in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Oh, love it. I have spoken in Albuquerque. It's been a- Have you? Yeah, it's been about probably two years ago and I loved it. Was it quick? Yeah. I usually try to do it in and out like an overnight and sometimes I'll do a keynote the first evening and maybe a morning kind of training, coaching kind of idea following that. So yeah. You have to come out for- the balloon fiesta, the international Ooh. balloon fiesta. If you YouTube it, it is honestly one of the most incredible things. And it's really one of the only reasons people typically come here aside from like 
conferences and teaching, but it's phenomenal. And we have tens of thousands of people who fly in for that. So if you ever get a chance, it's beautiful. And my husband and I love Nashville. We go often um, and have really enjoyed it. So but what else am I missing? What else you have your podcast, your book, your babies? Is there anything else that you have going on right now that you want to talk about? Um, I have actually an online five-week Bible study that's the curriculum that goes with Rhythms of Renewal. And so I just learned that there's 50,000 people doing it from around the world oh of gosh. all ages, ages 17 to 93. <laughs> wow. <laughs> my that's so cool. Just told me that. I was like, wow. And so if anyone wants to jump in, you can. It's basically, I do five 20-minute teaching sessions that normally you would have to pay for, but they're offering them for free for this five-week study. So if anybody wants to dig in a little bit more, you could certainly do that. Well, if you just go to my Instagram or Facebook page, there's a bunch of links there. Just It'll say January online study or faith gateway study, and you can jump in still. They're still letting people jump in. So I love that age range. That is so cool. I know, (laughs) right? All of those people too. I'm so excited for you. I really, like, I'm so blessed by your writings. I'm so blessed by your speaking. And so for me, I just am really thankful to have our listeners have more access to you. And I think those online courses are really helpful. Yeah. yeah and that's what's great. I, I think that's the beauty of the online thing is you know you're not alone going through it. There's a, a private Facebook group where a bunch of people are commenting on the things they're learning, their questions they're asking each other. So you feel kind of like you're a part of something, but you could still work with you in your own schedule. And I think yeah. that's that works well for a lot of us. Yeah. Well, let's jump into our questions. So today I really wanted to talk about loneliness. I I believe that I know that it's such an epidemic in our culture in spite of the connection on social media and loneliness manifests itself into so many other negative emotions. And in your book, you shared a quote that was so impactful for me. You said, when you're vulnerable and alone, you're afraid. And when you're vulnerable and together, you're brave. So can you share a little bit about the epidemic of loneliness in our culture, in our society, and how vulnerability changes that narrative? Yes. So I'm reading uh, a lot of books. It's like the more I get in this uh, mental health rabbit hole, the more I want to learn and mm-hmm. and understand how the power of connection, like actually healing and therapy in connection is exponentially more powerful than in isolation. Because partly um, most of our trauma is usually from re- relational breaks, right? Some right. sort of something was not just about us, somebody else was involved And so as a result, you have to repair in community in the same way things were broken in community um, because we are such a communal people. And I think sometimes we, you know, with screens, we buy this this counterfeit friendship or relationship, but truly like oxytocin releases in your brain when you embrace someone or with a hug, right, for three Mm -hmm. or four seconds, that's not going to happen. A screen can't do that. A screen cannot actually give you eye contact, cannot give you empathy. Now, there are trying these robots I've heard in China that are- Oh, empath- my gosh. No, I'm not kidding. They're called- <laughs> they really? They're called like um, empathy bots, but they're, they literally are supposed to like give you empathy. 
And then you wow. put them in the closet and charge them overnight. Um, <laughs> but, that but, is wild. But what? But, 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 <laughs> this I literally just learned about this like yesterday. And but what's fascinating about that is that actually, like relationships are not just to give you empathy; they're actually to give you some friction so that you can actually uh, develop resilience. Right? Like so. Mm-hmm. So conflict is only um, an issue if you don't resolve it, right? But conflict resolution actually gives you more tools because you're going to encounter people in life that are not always your favorite. Exactly. And so the whole point of, I think, our, our, our health is human development and human development only happens when we're up alongside someone else, right? Whether they're affirming us or they're telling us our work stinks, you know, either way, that's going to have an impact on us, us that we need to learn how to navigate. And so I, I love that you're talking about this connect rhythm of, you know, I wrote the connect rhythm. This is the third, the first output rhythm, because I am so convicted on that, that God actually says, you know, I pray that the future believers would be one so that the world would know that the message of the gospel is true, that my love for mm-hmm. Christ is true and his love for them is true. And and so we can't be one and be isolated, right? We, we actually have right. to be together. And I'm so encouraged by this. I'm so encouraged that what I'm learning more and more about connection. So oxytocin is what emits the feelings of connection and belonging. And and part of our trauma is we either didn't feel like we belonged to something or or there was a break there. Maybe sometimes you feel like you're alone in your group of friends, like no one quite gets you. And so really what I think the epitome of healing in, in community and connection is reciprocity. And it's yeah. this idea of we are mutually coming vulnerably. Uh, one person's not the Band-Aid the controller, the savior, like I'm not the only one who's exposing things like I do. And when I do, you give me eye contact, you give me empathy, you, you give me, um, comfort, counsel, even some suggestions, whatever. And then in turn, I do the same for you. There's not a hierarchy here. One person's Mm -hmm. not the project and the patient, but in real friendship, this is a mutual thing. And that's what I have learned in my very old age of in my 40s. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> in friendship, right? Like I'm looking at my my friendships in, my, in, in grade school. And then I'm looking at them in college. And then in my 20s and my 30s and now my 40s. Mm-hmm. And what, I'm, what I have come to learn over and over again is that the friendships that are lasting are the ones that are reciprocated. It's so funny that you bring this up because last night I was on the phone with a friend and I've had just a lot going on the past couple of months. It's been beautifully busy, but also it's taken a toll just on my heart and my state of mind. And a lot of the time I have been the friend where that people come because I'm not one to really open up as much except to like my very few people, you know, Mm -hmm. my people. Mm -hmm. With her, we just got into this conversation and I shared very openly um, the struggles, like the anxiety I've been struggling with. And when we hung up, I wrote her and said, I'm so sorry. I feel so selfish for taking up all of that time to talk about that. And I felt silly even apologizing for it. Mm. But I think oftentimes we feel like we need to not even have it all together because I think we're getting past that as a society. But that we need to be the friend that can be relied upon and can come to the aid of others. But 
that's such a boring friendship, just like you're saying. Like if it can't be reciprocal, if I'm always allowing a person to come to me and just spill their dirt and their struggles and I'm just like, oh, I'm so sorry. Here's my counsel Mm -hmm. and point them to Jesus and move along. But I'm not sharing where I'm at. It either makes them feel as if they have something wrong with them or as if they just want someone who's going to go back and forth with them, you know? And so it was kind of eye-opening for me. So I really love that you share that because I think in the church, a lot of the time we look at it as there's one solid person in a friendship and then one person who's being counseled. But for the health and the sake of those relationships, it's so beneficial and comforting to have it equal. Well, let's be honest. The one who's being counseled is the one who's growing. Yeah. The one who's giving the counsel is just gleaning from what they've already learned. Right. And so so if we're the ones that's, if, if we're content providers and we're only providing content, but we're not actually acquiring new content, Mm. we're not actually being stirred up. We're not walking through hard things because here's what it's either one thing or the other, either we're just output. So like so much output that we actually haven't even paused to know how we're actually doing. Mm-hmm. Um, or we've just created this facade, right? Like, you know, we're just the expert on this thing or whatever, but truth be told, the minute you start to really sharpen and hone one skill, there's, there's still some other things. There's some new things that opens up that you there's a whole that, lot of other things. Yeah, that yeah. you that you have to learn from. <laughs> that need work. I mean, you yeah. might you might be you know might be your A game at work, and yet your your family's falling apart because you actually aren't mm-hmm. pausing long enough to actually. And so then, so the vulnerability is going like transparency, sharing where you've been. Vulnerability, sharing where you are. And so a lot of times, content people will share where they've been because they've already found breakthrough, yeah. and there's a story, and there it's all buttoned up and it's figured out. But vulnerability is actually risky. And mm-hmm. and the whole point of that, right, when we do give that vulnerability, that builds connection. There actually is no mm-hmm. other real way to grow connection in a friendship than to be vulnerable, which is why people walk away. People walk away in friendship because somebody did not reciprocate. And over time, they were like, I can't be the only one that's needy in this relationship. Mm-hmm. that has need, that shows frailty, that shows vulnerability. Or it's the other extreme. We're always needy and we're never actually asking questions about the other person. Because mm-hmm. sometimes people not, might not share because they're just not asked. Because we've got extroverts and introverts, right? And we've got ambiverts. And we need to actually make room in a conversation that someone might be more eloquent at like processing their emotions out loud. And the other person's like, actually have a lot of feelings, but I need time to know what they are and to translate them to you. It's not that I'm trying to withhold from you. I just, I need to internalize this for a bit and get it down before I can bring how I'm really feeling. And real friendship makes room for that, right? One person doesn't have to dominate. A quick interruption because I am so giddy and excited to tell you guys about this. I've been trying to think of better ways to connect with all of you on an individual personal level and I'm so excited to announce that I've created three new tiers on my Patreon account. The friendship thing, the coffee date thing, and the bestie thing. So for each tier on my Patreon account, which is patreon.com backslash living easy, 
I have given opportunities for all of us to connect in different ways. I'm going to be sending out my all-time favorite books list along with my favorite cold oats recipes. I'm giving access to the Living Easy with Lindsay Facebook page and the weekly application questions for each podcast episode. For the coffee date thing, I am doing a once a month Zoom chat, which I'm so excited about. And so we will have coffee together. I'll ask and answer questions. You guys can ask and answer questions and we will build a real life face-to-face friendship and can talk about anything. For the bestie thing, I see you guys, and I want others to see you too. And so I'm going to be doing a listener spotlight with one pledger of the bestie thing each month. The person chosen can record a two-ish minute recording of yourself, sharing your story, your business, or how you live easy, and I will play it on the air. Or if you prefer, I will promote your social media account to my 40,000 plus followers. So check out patreon.com backslash living easy to join the friendship thing, the coffee date thing, and the bestie thing. I love that you bring up the frailty because I think there's a huge place in our lives where we, in our culture, in our friendships, where we think that frailty is weakness, but ultimately it points back to the fact that We are sinners in need of a savior. We are broken and that God is the only one. Jesus is the only one who is strong enough to withstand the world and the hardship of the world and the hardship in our hearts and the pain in our hearts and uh, that pointing back to him makes him greater. For me, I think a lot of the time, I think I'm going to just handle it. I'm going to figure it out and I've got it under control and I don't want to burden other people. And so I want to talk a little bit about that because our vulnerability, I know that when I am vulnerable, when I'm open, it strengthens my faith. It helps me to see Jesus more clearly and who he is and what he's called me to. And it also strengthens our relationships. But the fear of that vulnerability can create further isolation and kind of like a deep-seated internal confusion. So would you mind talking a little bit about the fear of vulnerability? Where does that come from? Um, Is it a lack of confidence? What would you say that that stems from? Well, I think it's shame. Fundamentally, mm. shame is the is the ultimate disconnector. Shame That's good. wants you to hide always, yeah. and that and shame tells you you're better off alone because you might burden somebody or you might get hurt. Mm-hmm. So, shame is always self preserving and self loathing. It's not going to actually be in your corner on any level to help you actually connect and commune with someone else because it knows that once that begins, shame ends, right? So, so shame is going to come up and it's going to creep in and it's going to fight you actually having a real connection by those kinds of lies. I don't want to be a burden to somebody, you know, but in the Mm -hmm. end, really what that is, is like, there's, um, I don't want to be in a burden to somebody because I've, I've actually done some stuff that I, I don't even really want to navigate. I don't want to face mm-hmm. it. And the minute I start to say stuff out loud, I'm going to have that over chronic sharer regret. And I'll be like, oops, got to rein that back in because partly we're still yeah. trying to do some damage control because we're not thrilled with where we are and we don't want to let the cat out of the bag. So really the only way we can even be healed of shame, I think, and you know, God obviously does that in just the rescue of God and and forgives us and cleanses us. And like, that's not, he's like, I don't even remember your sins or your lawless acts. Like, I don't, I don't hold on to any of that stuff. Like the whole point of repentance is it's done. Like it's done. I don't keep a record of wrong. So, but we do, unfortunately. And, and so one way to heal in, 
in groups is where we could say what we say and it really is a cathartic process of of someone holding that and loving and receiving and accepting and for like forgiving with a whole heart and it and and being seen and known and held and and um, connected that whole time. Yeah. When, when we can lay some of those things out there and feel like someone's holding it and honoring us and and not diminishing it and making eye contact and being very present with us in it, actually that that reverses shame because mm-hmm. we're like, that's my story, uh, but it's not my story. That's actually something that happened and now I'm able to release it because I see that it's not me that's wrong. It's something that happened went wrong. That connection then breaks that bondage of shame that tells you you're better off alone. Yeah. And I think pride can get in the way as well. I know I've experienced it. And Proverbs 16, 18 says that pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Would you agree that when we're caught up in our pride and in our unwillingness to kind of open up and to share and to expose those areas of our lives because we don't want someone to think less of us, that Mm -hmm. that can also smother the opportunity to be vulnerable and pull us away and isolate us a little bit more. Yeah, for sure. And they they very much go hand in hand Mm -hmm. because pride is basically still underlined with shame because pride is saying, I actually have to show you my best because if you saw the worst, you would reject me. So I have to actually only, I only can put it the best thing out there. And that's all I'm going to do because I I mean, I think of people who get really pride. They're really, really trying to mask insecurity. Mm -hmm. They're they're trying to somehow mask, mask some layer or level of rejection, abandonment. And they're like, I'm just going to put this wall up so no one can hurt me again. Mm -hmm. Um, and and so the bull, so they become the bully on the playground. Mm-hmm. But really, behind all that, you know, is somebody who's broken and hurting. Yeah. Um, and I think that helps me. It helps a lot of us not just get so mad at the arrogant person. Yeah, have compassion. You know? Beca- yeah, mm-hmm. because really, behind every every arrogance, every anger, every every emotion, right? That's that's out outsized is wound. It really is. And so whatever that looks like, and I think it helps me, helps a lot of us in our friendships go, there's, we always lead with empathy and we always leave, well, we, we lead with vulnerability and it's always met with empathy because everyone, you know, I love the quote, be, be kind. Everyone is facing a hard battle yes. and it's easier to judge the jerk, right? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, what a jerk. And, and yet we're like, well, they didn't start that way. Right. Like something, something happened and let's, let's see if we can figure out the story behind the story. Yeah. I always tell my boys that the loudest person in the room is often the most insecure, even though they seem the opposite. And so that we shouldn't Mm -hmm. hold ourselves back from loving them hard because hurt people hurt people and hurt people are loud a lot of the time and voicing mm-hmm. their strengths in there and how much better they may be. But like you're saying that mm-hmm. that shouldn't keep us from compassion and love because oftentimes those are the people who need it the most. And that connection, it's like they're craving it. They're calling for it. Yeah. In regards to loneliness, I recently saw a quote that said that loneliness has the same effect on mortality as smoking 15 cigarettes in a day. 
and that currently social isolation kills more people than obesity. How -hmm. would you say that loneliness correlates with feelings of anxiety and depression? And why is it important for us to recognize the relationship between those struggles? Well, loneliness plays a loop in your head because you have no one to bounce those thoughts off with. Um, So they get loud, they become obsessive. So obsessive thoughts are thoughts that were never released. You know, we don't, we don't have anyone to bounce, you know, that's why counseling is very beneficial, Mm -hmm. but even friendship is very beneficial. Um, You know, any, a human, a human being is beneficial. Let's put it that way. Not a robot. And (laughs) right. Yeah. Oh, don't even get me started. Cause that is, that is the issue of where Mm -hmm. we're heading is the loneliness is really the whole AI movement of dehumanizing us and acting as if AI is a companion. It's just not possible. When there's over 6 billion people in the world, it just seems fascinating that we would feel that we would need that, you know? Right. Because we literally don't know how to be human. Yeah. We actually don't. We've lost basic things. Mm -hmm. You know, like, what do you do outside? Well, I don't know. Like, what did people do outside for centuries? Yeah. Um, So... I'm not going to get on to that because <laughs> it could okay. go for it could rabbit trail quick. But I do agree. I think so. What happens is you have these toxic thoughts of shame, basically, of uh, some level of condemning, you know, you or somebody else or whatever. Right. And you have no sounding board to bounce those off of because if you were to actually say them out loud, you'd realize how ridiculous some of them can actually sound, mm. whether you're condemning yourself or someone else. But then also because you don't have a place to take them, you obsess over them and they grow and they have power. And so that is what really I think leads to mental illness, quite frankly, because something so wrong, so false can actually be so loud Yeah. and you have no one to pull you back or rein you in or just say, hey that's actually not okay. You know, that thing that you think seems normal, that's, that's, that's not okay. And here's why. If you don't have an empathetic person in your life to say, hey, let's talk about this. What's going on? Mm-hmm. And so then it sometimes spills into OCD and it spills into manic depressant and it spills into depression can lead into all kinds of very dangerous places. Suicidal thoughts, like I don't have friends. So feels like the world might be just as fine without me or everyone seems better off without me because I don't know how to connect with my people and I feel I feel alone in my own home or alone mm-hmm. in my own family. So that's why it's so dangerous, I think. The thoughts get so loud. And you know what? Like I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but if you talk to someone who is in like an OCD or an obsessive and they don't like their people skills are a little low because they've just kind of been in their own head for so long. Yeah. You almost feel like you're not talking to them mm. anymore. It's it's the sense of like there's there's a countenance change, there's a there's a giving way to something that's like you know how some people are like I feel like we lost her, you know, yeah. and you're just kind of like, like I don't know where she out. went. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And so part of it is really getting back to the heart of like the reason why I wrote this book are like these rhythms actually keep us from getting checked out. These rhythms are this invitation to be human, to to connect with our friends, to get out in creation and walk, to give thanks, yeah. to to be deliberate with our screen time and, and getting off of them. And you know, to invite people in to, you know, be mindful of our diet, not to don't neglect your body. Cause that's another thing that can make you check out physically is if you're either 
not nourishing yourself or giving yourself the wrong things or yeah. you're not eating it at all. Like there's a million disorders out there because we just don't even know how to treat our bodies and give it the fuel it needs to function mm. and thrive. So I, I think all of those things go together that when you live in community, you are just healthier. You have to be because there's eyes and ears watching and engaging you at all times. You know, peer pressure is a thing, positive or negative, and it's a good thing if it's positive, right? right? So you need people going, hey, try this recipe. It's really good. Or you, someone has you over, you try their meal, and you're like, wow, I should start cooking more, right? You know, hmm. silly little things. Like yeah, that. I worked out. I worked out today for the first time in far too long because of my conversation with my friend last night, and there was that accountability. And if I hadn't spoken with her – and I hadn't felt like, okay, she's kind of challenging me to move forward in this and do this, I probably wouldn't have done it. And I love, Rebecca, that you mentioned opening up your home because I think we have such a special opportunity to exemplify this for our children Mm -hmm. from young age and up. If they're teenagers and you really haven't had a sense of community to open your doors, open your home, love your neighbors actively. Mm -hmm. Like don't hide away and run into the garage as soon as you get home, but make your home a refuge for the world not a refuge from the world and allow those people to come in and for your children to see who's walking in and to see that you can just sit and have conversations at a dinner table without technology on. Um, And they'll become accustomed to that and they'll want that social interaction more. And so mm-hmm. I believe so much of it is being intentional about that change, being intentional, like you said, about getting outside and actively living that out. Like let's leave everything at home. We are the example and just go and enjoy creation mm-hmm. and and do that. And so I want to talk a little bit about for people who haven't read your book, Rebecca, what are – you had mentioned a few patterns, but are there any specifically maybe in your life that have really, really helped mm-hmm. you that have led to um, joy coming out of real loneliness and what rhythms can we continue to implement in our lives to fight that? Yeah. So I have to be active every day for mental health. It's not even optional for me. Mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting. Like I'm 10 years into this journey. And if I go, if I go three or four days without getting outside and walking, going to the gym, going to yoga, doing something, I'm actually, I'm not in a good spot. And I know it and I know it now and I understand scientifically it releases serotonin, which is the happy hormone and I I need that. So, and we all need that, but like when you've actually had a a history of depression, you absolutely fundamentally need it. It's not optional whatsoever. Mm -hmm. So I do that every day Um, and my diet is pretty, um, I've learned to like slow way down on... um, the sugar, like pastries, baked goods, gluten, like fatty stuff. I just don't, I feel lethargic afterwards and I want to just go take a nap. And so it's like a sugar hangover for days. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and, and I just need the energy in the afternoon when the kids get home. I'm not, Mm -hmm. I'm not a great mom and I'm like crawling into bed right when they walk in the door at three o'clock. Like, yeah. Uh, it's and, I, and for so many years, I felt powerless to it. I was just like, well, I'm just tired. I'm so tired. And I'm thinking, gosh, Rebecca, you're, you're so tired and you're in your thirties and you, I mean, you hopefully will have, you know, God, only God knows how long we have, but like you might only be halfway done. So you need to figure this thing out. <laughs> you might have <laughs> like, grandchildren who have way more yeah, energy. <laughs> yeah. And you might want to run around with them. Like I don't yeah. want, so I had to get real. And I write about that in the restore rhythm. So the first rhythm was rest and 
that's about routines for deep sleep and, you know, morning routine. So morning routine I do every day. And then I, I outline that in the book, um, you know, yeah. what that time, that quiet time, that reflective time, that gratitude time, reading, journaling, all that. But then the restore is the walk rhythm and the eating. Um, and then connect. Like I think a, a, a thing I do with connect rhythm Gabe and I are both social people. We like to definitely retreat together, but we certainly are connectors by nature. We love to like, hey, just come over and yes. like if it's nice out, just bring your swimsuits and do a barbecue. Yeah. That's my husband and I too. We're the same. Like we really love our time together alone, but we really, really love just people in our home all the time. Yeah, and we used to do that more. Now the kids are in school and they have after school stuff. So now it's more reserved for weekends or a lot more in the mm-hmm. summertime because our house just is easier to host in summer, like outdoor, the outdoor situation's yeah. a little easier than the indoor, but we still do winter. It's, it's fine. But, um, I, I am learning though, like with that, I always do like, there's a chapter called potluck over perfect because mm-hmm. I, I, I like that one. I don't want to try to make everyone's favorite everything because I know what it'll turn me into. And I actually will not be fun to be around. So we always provide like we cater the meat or like I'll go grab a turkey or, you know, something. Um, But then everyone just brings something and then it's, it's the best. It's the best because part of the, back to the vulnerability piece, I think a lot of people who have a hard time being vulnerable are going to have a hard time inviting people over because that's a vulnerable thing to do, right? Mm -hmm. You're like, here's my house and it's, I didn't ever get to the wallpaper project I wanted to. And actually these boxes aren't unpacked yet. And I actually don't really cook very well. And I'm embarrassed. You know, all of a sudden we're like, we're like running through the list of all the things we don't like about our home, which is then inherently a reflection of ourselves in our minds. And so we just don't do it. And yet actually what people really notice when they come over is your eye contact and your question asking, and maybe you just served them a drink and that's it, you know, and you had mm-hmm. some stuff sitting out on the, on the Island in the kitchen, whatever. Some, I'm a fan of charcuterie. Like you just put a bunch of ch- oh, me crackers, too. cheese, some yeah. fruit and like they can have at it. And it looks like you made, looks like you tried kind of. <laughs> have you ever tried, have you ever tried boars and cheese? Yes. Oh, I have always, oh my gosh. I get the three pack at Costco all the time. Yes, me too. It's my favorite. I'm just drilling over the idea. Yeah, I get that. <laughs> and I get a little jar of like fig butter or fig jam from Trader mm-hmm. Joe's, some gluten free and regular crackers, um, maybe a few pieces of salami and some grapes. It's, it's so easy. And everyone's just happy and they're all sitting around the kitchen, just whatever. And the kids yeah. are running in and out. It does not have to be, we always use paper unless it's like, Friendsgiving, right? So in the, I just think we, we don't have to make it stressful. People just want to feel invited. They really yeah. do. They're like so happy somebody invited them over. And um, when you stop trying to impress them, they feel like they can breathe too. Yeah. Because when you walk into a house when someone is just trying to impress and everything's perfect, you immediately go back to your own home and you're like, oh my gosh, my house mm-hmm. looks nothing like this. And it just begins the comparison mm-hmm. game rather than just saying, hey, this is my real life. I obviously, mm-hmm. I'm not a total slob. Like we take care of the gifts that God has given to us. But at the same mm-hmm. time, like we have children and our children mm-hmm. are children and they live in our home and that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. And so it's okay to celebrate that too. But yeah, I really loved that portion of your book, Rebecca, because me, I'm 100% my mom in that I, I struggle with perfectionism, especially in having people over. 
Um, and it was just a little bit of a wake up call to me. Like I don't have to do a dinner party <laughs> every time I have people over and do mm-hmm. a six course meal and make it this extravagant thing. It's people enjoy having the ability to bring something themselves as well because they like to contribute. And it's mm-hmm. almost that reciprocation thing again that we were talking about. Yeah. So sure. lastly, I just want to ask maybe what would be your advice to someone who is just really struggling, like feeling lonely, feeling like nobody cares, nobody loves them. They don't have any sort of community in their lives right now. What would be your words of encouragement to them? Hmm. Well, that chapter on friendship, be the friend you wish to have, you know, I would just Mm -hmm. start small. Don't put a bunch of pressure to like have this expectation of what your friend should look like or be like or act like or, you know, I think I moved to Nashville going like, hey, here are the people that I think I'm going to be really close to. And turns out five years later, I'm close to a couple of them, Mm -hmm. but I actually have a whole bunch of new friends I never would have imagined. And I think that's what God wants. He's like, I don't want you to look homogenous. I don't want a click of everyone having just the same everything. Like you are going to grow far more when you have friends that just do a lot of different things than you do, that care about different things, that different backgrounds and cultures. Yeah. 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 And actually that's what makes something really beautiful in a friend group. You, it's like, it's so it's the breadth of that is more holistic more exciting, more, I don't know, stimulating, I think, in a friend group Mm -hmm. to just have a lot of different narratives going on. Um, Single friends, married friends, all ages, socioeconomic race, you name it. And so I would just say, just initiate being kind to anybody and whoever responds, that's reciprocity, right? Like whoever actually engages (laughs) and responds, yeah, yeah, (laughs) I would take that as a sign like, hey, this is a step in the right direction. Mm -hmm. If you keep trying the same person and they're never responding, you know what? There are 6 billion people. Like, move on. There is somebody else who actually is going to really appreciate what you bring. And they're going to bring something back. And I think that's – we just got to change whatever our preconceived notions of what our friend group should be and be open to the surprise of who God has for us. Amen. That's so good. And I just want to encourage you all as well. Rhythms of Renewal truly has changed my patterns and the way that I've done things. And I really love that you're speaking on this, Rebecca, because it's it's an incredibly practical book, but it's founded with so much truth and encouragement and real talk and vulnerability that it really makes people feel less alone and gives you the ability to see maybe outside of your own little bubble and to see outside of what more there is for you in the world. And so if you're struggling and you're in that place where you don't feel lovable, you don't feel like you're worthy of anything, that's a lie. And Jesus loves you and desires for you to live a life of community. We're not intended to live life on an island, but that book is full of wisdom. And so we just encourage you to check it out, Rhythms of Renewal, wherever books are sold. Um, And Rebecca, can you let our listeners know where they can find you? Yes, it's just my name and it's spelled R E B E K A H L Y O N S. Rebecca Lyons at Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. And then, of course, I have a bunch of free resources on my website at RebeccaLyons.com. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Rebecca. Thank you for being honest and sharing your time with us. I really appreciate you. I appreciate your ministry. You've really impacted kind of the way that we do life. So I just want to say thank you. Thank you so much. This was a joy. I love talking to you, girl. Thanks so much and have a great day. You too. Bye. Okay. Bye. 
If you enjoyed this episode, the best thank you you could ever offer is to share the love. The simple act of taking a quick screenshot of the episode and tagging at Living Easy Podcast makes such a huge difference in this journey. If you're impacted, someone else might be too, so don't hesitate to share a little hope and joy with the people that you love. Also, if you haven't already, please do scroll down from this episode to give a star rating and quick review for the podcast. It only takes a minute, but the impact is huge. Thank you all so much for your support. Feel free to connect with me on Instagram at livingeasypodcast and at lindsay.maestas. Love you guys.